So let's pray. Father, we just bless you, and we are so grateful for the Holy Spirit. You're our friend, Holy Spirit. You're our counsel. You're the one who illuminates truth to our hearts. And this morning, I just invite you, minister to me, Holy Spirit. Minister to my brothers, my sisters, my family. And I pray that as we leave this place today, we would be changed by your word and by your presence and by your incredible power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, um, so we know this. We know that Christmas is associated with waiting, right? You guys know the kids. They, they, you take them to the mall. They, they tell Santa what they want, and then they spend a few weeks asking, when's Christmas? Is Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? My, my, my grandson, Grammy, is it Christmas? Grammy, how many days till Christmas? Okay, we do the same thing. We are, we're filled with anticipation about what is coming, right? Maybe some of us have lists that are a little different than our kids. Maybe it's not a shiny new bike. I remember the year that I asked Santa for a banana skateboard. Do you guys remember those? Okay, I got one. But I remember that anticipation, that anticipation waiting for that skateboard that year. And I want you to really do this. Don't just let this go over your head, but ask yourself, what is it that means something? What is it that you're anticipating this year? What is it that you're hoping for? Now, I'm not talking about the Santa list necessarily. I'm talking about on a personal level. What is it for you that you're hoping for, that you've asked God for, that maybe you've been waiting for or anticipating for quite a long time? What, it was, is it healing? Is it restoration of a relationship? What is it that you've been hoping for? What happens to us when a period of anticipation gets extended? Come on, think about that just for a minute. When we've been hoping for something or waiting for something and that expectation, we're anticipating something to take place and then weeks go by, maybe months, maybe years, maybe many years. What happens to that hope? That hope oftentimes begins to fade. The expectation or the anticipation seems to just disappear. I think about, just, I think about Zechariah in the Christmas story, and this isn't where I'm going with this, but th just stay with me just for a minute. Remember when Zechariah and, and Elizabeth, they couldn't have a child? I'm sure that many years before the angel showed up in the temple and met Zechariah, and said, you're going to have a son. Many years before, Zechariah was probably on his knees with his wife, asking the Lord, when they were younger, for a child. He remembered the stories of old, Abraham and Sarah, Hannah. So when he and his wife got together when they were young, they got down and they prayed, and they expected to be blessed with a child. And many years went by, and no baby. And that day came when Zechariah was in the temple. Remember the story? And the angel showed up and said, I'm going to give you a child. And Zechariah's response was much like Mary's response when the angel showed up with Mary. It's not possible. Zechariah, it's not possible. There was a difference in the response, but I really want to focus on that for just a second. It's not possible. Why? How had Zechariah gotten from kneeling with his wife and asking for that child and believing God to bless them to, it's not going to happen. Time 
and circumstance. Time and circumstance affect the faith of many. It, time and circumstance affected the faith of many in the nation of Israel. The Jews were affected because for thousands of years they had awaited a promise. Christmas is more than just a time of hope. But I think for some of us, and don't get me wrong, hope is good, but I think for some of us, we're hopers. We're not expectors. And I really believe that what God is saying to this house in this time, this morning, is that we need to be more than a people of hope. We are supposed to be people that are expecting God to move. Today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to breathe on that. He wants to breathe on that hope. Maybe those, those circumstances, the time that has passed, the things that you've been believing God for for some time. Maybe it's been a long time, and you might still have hope, just a little bit of hope that it may come to pass. But I'm here to tell you this morning that we're supposed to be more than a people of hope. God calls us to be people of expectation. So as the Holy Spirit ministers to you this morning, I just believe that he's going to breathe on that hope and make it expectation again. I believe that expectation needs to, needs to make its way and take its place once again in our hearts because Christmas, Christmas is not about hope. That might shock some of you. Christmas is not about hope, but about, but about an unfulfilled human need that many waited for, for many years, but now has come. Did you hear that this morning? See, we're, we're on this side of the promise. Israel had awaited, and they were looking forward, and when we pick up the Christmas story in just a moment, you need to understand where they are in time. They were awaiting Hope. They were awaiting destiny. Destiny. They were awaiting a purpose. They were awaiting relief and comfort. But this morning, you and I are no longer waiting. Christmas has come. Christmas is here. Christ came. We are no longer awaiting a promise. The promise has come. The problem is that many of us, instead of expecting... that he is, or instead of hoping that he is, or he will be, we need to expect that he is, he can, and he will. Amen? Amen. All right, so with that, I'm going to ask that you go ahead and open the scripture to the familiar story in Luke chapter 2. We'll pick up the story, the Christmas story there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And in Luke chapter 2, just stay there with me for just a second. There's two characters in this story, as I said earlier, that are not normally highlighted in this story, but their lessons are great. So let me set the stage just a little bit. The things were tough in Israel. Israel had lost their political independence. They were no longer independent politically. They were oppressed spiritually. They were living in fear of King Herod, so there was fear of the future of the nation, the future of the land, and their future as individuals and as a race, even, as a culture. 
They were wondering if the Messiah would ever come. Now listen, I don't know about you, but if you really stop and think about that, that circumstance and situation is a lot like yours and mine, except for the part about waiting for the Messiah. Right? Things rough. Things have been pretty rough, haven't they? From an econo- just an economic standpoint alone, things have been tough. Things, times have been hard. Our independence as Christians, our ability to operate freely as Christians, as believers, has been threatened by the laws that have been passed, by liberalism in our nation. Oftentimes we live in fear because we don't know what the future holds. So like Israel, we can actually really identify with some of the things that they were feeling at that point in time. The desire for them, as is the desire for you and I, for comfort, right? It's a universal desire. Across this world, you could visit every nation internationally, and people would be longing for comfort. People would be longing for purpose. People would be longing for relief, for healing, for love. With that in mind, let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 25 through 32. Luke 2, 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just, and he was devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the, when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Now, think about this situation just for a minute. What if you came into church with a newborn baby in your arm and some madman came running up to you and snatched that child out of your arms, your first response might be a little crazy. But there was an atmosphere of expectation. And Simeon had previously heard that before he went before he passed on, he would see the salvation that was promised to Israel. So when Simeon saw the Christ child, there was a crowd there that was looking upon this child. There was a crowd that was looking upon this baby, but they didn't recognize that he was the promise. But Simeon did. Simeon recognized that this was the Christ child. And I began to ask the Lord, why is it, Lord, that Nobody else, that it was Simeon. We know that there were others that were just. There were others that were devout. There were others that were in the temple that day worshiping. How come they didn't recognize that this was the Christ child? And the Lord said this, because time and circumstance had turned their expectation into just a little bit of hope. But Simeon was still expecting Simeon was still expecting the God of promise to show up. 
And because expectation was in his heart, when he saw Jesus, when Jesus was in the crowd amongst everyone else, when that child was being held by its parents, because he had a heart that was expecting, he was able to see when Jesus was present. He was waiting just like the rest of them were. He was waiting with hope. He was waiting with expectation. Waiting with hope and waiting with expectation may sound like the same thing, but when you look up in the original translation of of this scripture, when it says that Simeon was waiting, it literally means he was expecting. Not just he was, you know, ah. Waiting. He was eagerly expecting the promise of God. And that's the question that I'm posing to you this morning that the Holy Spirit is act, asking you as a church. Or have you slipped into that hope mode without expectation? Or are you still ex- expecting God to be God this morning? Are you expecting him to be God of your circumstance? Are you still expecting him to heal you? Are you just hoping he'll heal you? Are you hoping he'll come through, turn your financial situation a- around? Are you, are, you, are you expecting that he is the God of his promise. I don't know about you, but as I read this story, I had I needed an adjustment. Because like many of you, I can hope pretty well. But I really had to ask myself, are you just hoping? Are you, or are you expecting for God to come through on the things that you've been asking him for? And that goes individually, that goes corporately, that goes across the board, ministerially, financially, physically. What is it this morning? Simeon was waiting for consolation. Do you know what consolation means? Listen to this. Consolation is an act or an event that will turn a situation around, bring encouragement or bring strength. Consolation comes from the same word as as we get the Holy Spirit, the comforter, paraclesis, paraclete, that comfort that comes. Simeon was expecting comfort. He was expecting, he wasn't just hoping for relief. He was expecting it. Some of you in this house this morning, you've been hoping for relief to come from somewhere, for relief to come from out out of somewhere, anywhere. I'm telling you this morning, God is looking for you to expect it, not just hope for it. See, many in that time, many were hoping, many wondered Will he come? Is he going to come? You have to remember that for many years, they celebrated the Passover. Why did they celebrate the Passover? They celebrated the Passover every year to, to remind them, to stir that expectation within them that there would come a Redeemer, that there would come salvation for Israel. That Passover celebration was a reminder The Jews at that time, they struggled with identity. They were struggling with purpose. They were struggling with insecurity. They were were struggling with hopelessness. They had awaited the fulfillment of that promise for thousands of years. And it had affected their expectation. I want to ask you a question this morning. What if the only thing, church, what if the only thing keeping you from what you are awaiting is confidence. Confidence in who he is. What if the only thing keeping you from your breakthrough 
is confidence because confidence is what takes hope into expectation. Confidence is, is that denominator between the two that makes hope come alive and makes us expect once again. And I believe that this Christmas season, if we can't be reminded at Christmas that we're no longer awaiting a promise, but that we have a promise that has been fulfilled and that God is calling us to rise up in faith from that place of hope and step into that expectation where we believe that any minute God is going to come through. Any minute he's going to show up. Confidence is the difference between hoping and expecting. And I want you to do this. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down 1 John 5.14. And later on when you get home, I want you to look up that scripture. 1 John 5.14. I want you to look that up just a little bit later. Remember that confidence is the difference between hoping and expecting. 1 John 514. All right, same story, same portion of scripture. Let's drop down to verse 38. Okay, so in verse 38, in, in, in chapter 2, verse 38, we meet another one of the people in the shadows of this story, and her name is Anna. And she's looking for the same person that Simeon was looking for. But she's got a little different slant on her expectation. She's got a little different orientation of who she's looking for. She's looking for the same person, but instead of looking for consolation, she's looking for redemption. She's looking for forgiveness, for relief from the guilt that she's feeling. Let's look at verse 38. And coming in that instant, okay, she walks into the temple at the same instant as Simeon did. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So here we have two things that we cannot miss this Christmas. Some of us are looking for consolation, relief, comfort, hope to be restored, strength to be restored. Some of us are looking for forgiveness. Because that failure, that failure just seems to scream at us. That stumbling, that, that fall, that trip, that stumble that we took, just seems that we've never been able to recoup from that. Can you see Jesus today? Can you see him as redemption? Can you see him as the redeemer today? Can you not do more than just hope? Can you do more than hope that he came to redeem you? But can you expect that his forgiveness is real? Can you believe this morning that his forgiveness is complete, that he came, he finished the work? God wants to take you from that place of shame into that place of liberty that comes only that we can, when we can expect that he is the one who redeems us. Redemption is the release on receipt of ransom. You guys watch the movies where there's a ransom, kidnapping victim. Redemption literally means release on receipt of ransom. The act of freeing from captivity or releasing completely, not partially, but completely releasing from guilt or shame. 
Anna, in this portion of scripture, she publicly declared what she was seeing was the fulfillment of what she had been expecting. Are you guys getting that this morning? She was declaring, look, we've been looking for forgiveness. We've been slaughtering the bulls and the, and the lambs long enough. There was a promise that was made to us that once and for all, we would be redeemed from the guilt and the shame that we bear. And my eyes have seen him. Redemption is here. Listen, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is here this morning. If you're struggling with where you failed, if, if it just seems to be hanging over your head, maybe it was years ago, maybe it was weeks ago, maybe it was just a few days ago, maybe it was this morning, but guilt seems to creep in and find its way, I want you to know that Jesus died so that you could be free. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not about the trees. It's not about the lights or the dinners or the wish lists. It's about comfort. It's about strength. It's about purpose. It's about forgiveness. It's about forgiving one another. It's about reconciliation. When Jesus came, he did everything he needed to do to provide everything that needed to be done. And I want you to know this morning that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mentioned earlier that every year the Jews celebrated the Passover. Still do, many of them that are still awaiting the promise. They celebrated the Passover every year to remind them of a promise of a savior, a redeemer, a comforter. They celebrated that Passover with, you know, with exuberance. They, they celebrated, they came together, they made a big deal out of that Passover because they knew that they needed to be reminded because the weight of the world would become so heavy. The weight of this world does become heavy. But just like the Jews celebrated Passover to remind them that one day a promise that God had made them would be fulfilled, I want you to know that that's why we celebrate Christmas. To remind each other, to remember, even if it's just once a year, we remember, we memorialize, we remember that we're not awaiting a promise any longer, that there was a promise that has been made us. And on Christmas, we celebrate that he came, he did it. Family of God, he came, we should be excited. It shouldn't be about ritual. It shouldn't be about the gifts under the tree. All that is good, but we serve a God who came. He fulfilled his promise. And he's fulfilling his promises that he made to you. What are you hoping for today? We celebrate to remind us, what is it that you're awaiting? Come on, think about this with me. What is it that you're hoping for? What it, where have you settled in and said, ah, oh, it's, it's probably just always going to be like this. I hope it changes, but... Christmas is more than just one day a year that we set aside to celebrate that he was born. 
Christmas is a reminder that you and I are to be a people of expectation because we're no longer waiting. He was born. He has come. And he's everything we need. He's everything we need. I'm going to talk to you a minute as we prepare to close this up. And I love that the kids are going to come and sing with us in a little bit. Mary's faith. And this, this is really the key of this, this whole message this morning. You know her faith, her response when the angel showed up. It was a little different than Zechariah. Zechariah was like, it's not possible, I'm old. But Mary responded when the angel showed up to her and she said, can you tell me how this is going to happen? Do you see, you see the difference? Can you, can you just, I'm having a hard time believing it. I'm having a hard time seeing how this could come to pa- pass. This is going to be a really difficult season if, if what you're telling me is true. So could you tell me how you're going to make this happen? I love Mary's response. It's because Mary was a woman of expectation that she could carry the promise. It was because she wasn't just a hoper, but she was still expecting. It was because she was still expecting that she became expecting. Mary's faith, her expectation, was what enabled her to trust that God would protect and provide her during the challenges that were ahead. Her expectation, listen to this, her expectation was fertile ground for a miracle. Do you need a miracle in this house this morning? Are you waiting for a miracle this morning? Are there things that you've asked God for that you know can only happen supernaturally? You can't do them. They can't be done on your own. Are there challenges that you can see with your natural eye that, that, that are before you that you just hope and you wish would change? I'm here to tell you this morning that I believe with my whole heart if we will change our attitudes and become more like Mary and say, all right, God, I'm not sure how you're going to do it, but I expect you to. I expect you to. If you said you could do it, I believe that you can. I hope that you will. But above and beyond that, I'm going to expect that you're going to be a God of your word. I've seen it written. I've heard it spoken. You said it in your word. So I'm going to expect it to take place. You need to expect a miracle today. I don't, I don't know how else to, to wrap this up any better than to say you need to expect. You need to expect. I loved it when I was preparing this message the other day. Pastor Steve was in Sacramento and I was in my word. And right in the middle of this, he texted me one little text and it said, Believe. And I was just hearing from the Lord where the Lord was saying, you know what? We, we need to be more than hopers. I don't know if that's a word, but we need to be more than hopers. We need to be expectors because in that expectation, if you're hearing me this morning, church, this is it. This is, this is the word, the Holy Spirit. It's in that place of expectation that the ground becomes fertile for a miracle. 
It's only in that place of expectation that all of a sudden a supernatural seed can be deposited. Right? Just like it was with Mary. There was a supernatural seed that was deposited and a miracle took place. It's in that place of expectation. So if you're struggling this morning to expect from God, if you're in that place of hope this morning, it's okay because the Holy Spirit is here to breathe on your hope and make it expectation. But in order to do that, you and I need to marvel again. We need to become marvelers. Throughout the Christmas story, there was a few marvelers, and I'm going to close it up with this. Simeon and Anna marveled. They were astonished. They were in wonder, expectation and wonder. Wonder means, or being a marveler means somebody who's astonished with expectation. Simeon and Anna, they marveled. The Magi, they marveled. The shepherds, they marveled. You know who didn't? The religious. The Pharisees and the scribes. The, scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The, the signs in, in the skies, they were there. The signs that they had studied, and, but they missed it. People of expectation will receive miracles. People of expectation will be moved by God's Spirit. Anna was moved by God's Spirit. Simeon, we read it, was moved by God's Spirit because he marveled. When you marvel, you're moved by the Holy Spirit to believe things that you wouldn't ordinarily believe. The Magi marveled at the stars. They marveled at the story. And when they saw the star, they were moved by the Spirit to see the miracle. The shepherds, when they were in the fields, they were marveling at what was taking place in the sky. They knew of the stories. And they didn't just sit back and say, wow, look at the sky. They got up and they moved. They were moved by the Spirit of God. And when they moved, they met their miracle. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Doug, if I could get you on the keys. Christmas is something that you and I as believers should never wax cold about. It should never just be ritual, something that we do. It should never just be a family gathering. It should never just be the gifts under the tree or a standard Sunday morning service. Christmas is Christ. It's all about the ability that we've been given, the precious gift that we've been given of salvation and hope with expectancy. So this morning, if you're here, I'm going to ask that the saints be praying right now. If you're here this morning and, and you don't know Jesus, you don't, you've never come face to face with Jesus Christ, the one who came and died, the one whose birth we celebrate right now, but he came 
He was born and he died and he rose again so that you might have life and hope with expectation. If you're here this morning and you do not know him with the saints praying, heads bowed, eyes closed, please. If you're here this morning and you don't know him and you'd like to meet him this morning, I'd love to introduce you to my Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real high for me? If you're here in the house this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, raise your hand real high if you're here and that's you. Okay, I don't see any hands this morning. All right, with us all as family this morning then, I want you to do this still in that attitude of prayer. I'd like together as a body to confess where we've been hoping. And for each of us individually, it's going to be a little bit different, right? It's going to be a little bit different. Where have, where have you been lacking in expectation? Where is it that you've given up hope in certain areas? Right now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is ministering to your hearts. This is about you and Him right now. I want you to identify some things. Come on, body of Christ, you can do this. Heads, just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. This is, this is between you and the Holy Spirit right now. What is it that you've asked for that maybe you've just hoped that He could do? I believe He's identifying things right now. And Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the promise that was made and was kept. I thank you that no matter how much time passes, no matter how much circumstance changes, you are a God who is the same today as you were yesterday and will be tomorrow. And I pray that by way of your Holy Spirit this morning, we as a body would come to know you as not just the promise maker, but the promise keeper. And I pray that you would release expectation over this body this morning, that we would remember once again that we are supposed to be believers, not just hopers. That what identifies us as believers is that we expect miracles to happen. We expect circumstances to be changed. We expect to be healed. We expect to be provided for. We expect to be blessed and comforted. We expect that when we go through hard times and when we struggle, that we will come out on the other side because we know that you are a God who loves us so much that you were born into a fallen world to save us and that you hung upon a cross and died to make way for the miracle. And I just give you praise today with my family. Together, we lift our voices in praise and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for reminding us. Thank you for the season that reminds us that you are a promise keeper. In your own voice, just tell him thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you this morning, God. I love you, and I'm so grateful for every promise that you have ever made, and I am so sorry for every time that I have doubted you. I enter into that place of expectation, believing once again that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that I could ask or think. You are an incredible God. You are a God of mercy, a God of grace, a God of provision, a God of overflow, and I trust you this morning. I thank you for saving my soul. I thank you for my redemption and I thank you for every promise 
I believe and I expect and I will be moved because I marvel at your majesty. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, somebody give him a praise. Glorious. Glorious is your name.